This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about the power of podcasting for building connection and community with a particular bent on what that means for having that democratic voice, that democratic medium where you don't always have to be right in the content that you share, but it's important to show up and have those conversations. And I'm joined today by Ant McGinley who I met rather randomly at the Pods Up North. And you know when you go and do some Facebook stalking and then you realise you've got lots of really, really bizarre connections from your past uh, where you, you've got people in connection that are good friends from university or college or some other drinking session down the pub years ago. So Ant and I then, we kind of got in touch. But So Ant is a podcast expert like me, but he also is one of the co-founders of Pods Up North, which is the first Northern podcast event. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. So hello and welcome, Ant, to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. Uh, thanks very much. And I, just working out, I think it's about a year since we first connected because you sent me a message saying, oh, can I come along to, to your event? And uh, yeah. Yeah. So the event that you held was supposed to be an in-person event for my book launch. And actually, my book accidentally got launched two days before your event. And it was supposed to be the week after. So I remember buzzing up there, knowing I was going to see some friends at Pods Up North. And they, they were the very first people that I handed a physical copy to. So I was kind of kind of a little bit high. And it was the day before my birthday. So it was a very nice day. And I got one as well. <laughs> You've got it. He's holding, oh, if only this was video. It's about to be reformatted and redesigned for, my, for its, its first anniversary. And my second book is about to come out. So those of you listening, my second book has gone to be formatted and designed and it's going to be going out for pre-launch, pre-release at the end of October, ready for release the first week of November, which I'm getting ridiculously excited about now. So that second book is called Podcast with Impact, which I kind of feel like marries a lot of my world together, what I do and what I talk about and stuff. So it's kind of cool. So talk to us a little bit, Ant, about where you see that podcasting is important. Obviously you do because you're a podcast producer and you talk and lecture on podcasting. Talk to me about why this medium matters. I think this medium matters in so many ways and I, I don't claim to be able to sort of get them all right, but I'll pick out a couple that I think for me are, are really important. I think that the first thing which has really evolved throughout my time my professional career and being a broadcaster is the accessibility. And so when I first sat in front of a microphone and played records and spoke and had conversations and did interviews, that was as a student at university. And it was quite cutting edge that we had a student radio station, mm. but that was literally spit and sawdust. It, we had a, somebody donated a port cabin to us and we had literally two turntables two microphones, a CD player and a mini disc player. And that was it. That was the on-air studio. It was the production studio. It was everything. And we were actually outside the back of the student bar. So there was no soundproofing. So you could hear when they were changing the beer barrels. And 
well, our broadcasting, we broadcast on FM, but we were restricted. We we're on a what they call a restricted service license, uh, which is designed for events. So we were only able to go on air for 28 days at a time. And that was we were limited to doing that twice a year. And so you would have this time where everybody always wanted to use the studio when they could. But even when we could get into the studio, there was only 28 days when we could be on and you would go hell for leather. You would do as many shows as you could. And that would be it. But to get to that stage, even at the student level, you had to pitch a show to a committee that decided what went on. You then had to submit audition tape and then you had to be selected. And then that had to fit in around your schedule, around your lectures. And then you move forward into a more professional career. And even when you get to the level that, that I reached when I was doing a morning show and breakfast radio, you're, you've competed against a lot of people to get there. Yet when you're in there, you only have a small window of time because there's so many songs, so many adverts, there's so many messages and commercial things that have been sold. There's only roughly about three to four minutes an hour where you can be yourself in, in that point. Even then, you kind of there's set times when you have to stop and come off. Whereas now, all those hoops that I had to jump through to get to that stage, that took me years and years and years and years to be able to be in front of an audience. And even then that was capped to a geographical distance of maybe about a maximum of maybe 250,000 people could have heard my show on the transmitter I was in the station that I was at. Look at what we've got now. And this podcast already has the potential to reach more people than I had as a, a huge breakfast show in the West Midlands of the UK. Breakfast show star. <laughs> yeah, I, I had my name on a bus. Oh um, my goodness. So, but the, the difference is suddenly there, that's incredible from, uh, I mean, the sales team's eyes would have lit up straight away, but your ability to connect to people. Also the fact that we're now looking at time slip, the ability when mm. I was doing that breakfast show, it was only for those people that were tuning into the radio between 6am and 10am. Mm. And that's usually a very busy time for most people, especially if you've got children and you're trying to get them out to school and get them fed and get them dressed and do everything that you have to do as well. Suddenly now, rather than just listening to snatches, people can listen to everything that you've got to say and they can pause it and fit it around their daily life. And so the, the, the fact that the, people have got those gadgets to listen to on their phone, in their car, on their laptops, those gadgets also enable them to make the program as well. They don't need to get into that studio that everyone else is trying to get into. Mm. They don't need to, I mean, we're fortunate that we've got the equipment and setups where we can have a good sound and a good setup, but you don't need that. And, and I don't think you've seen one of the talks I give live, but I create a podcast in a lecture theater or wherever I happen to be just with an iPad, an iPhone, whatever anybody's got, because it's got that ability to record and the ability to connect to the internet. And We've all got that now. Not everybody realizes that. And that's all that you need because a podcast, for all the definitions that are out there, a podcast is effectively some noises that you make and record and share to the internet. And that's it at its simplest level. And that's all that it has to be. Generally vocal noises. I'm just yeah, going to well, put yes, that in there. Yes. That sounded, I, mean, the, I don't know why. The way you described that sounded a little, little, little unpleasant, but <laughs> I get your point. <laughs> I think people overthink it because yeah. they hear great pieces of production, even your show with the music that comes in, yeah. the confidence of your voice. For some people that can be liberating, but for other people that can be intimidating. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the places I teach from. I can teach you how to have something highly productionized, if that's even a word. But also the most important thing is to get it done. 
get it done and learn, refine, get better at what you do, get better at your delivery, have more confidence in what you're saying, have more confidence behind the mic. I actually want to take you back to that very first time you were in front of a microphone, a proper mic. Tell me about that. So I'd, I'd tell you exactly what it was. So I'd thought long and hard about the, the first two records I was going to play because I thought it was very cool. I started my show with Ben Folds 5 Underground. For those of you that Ben Folds is an amazing piano player. It's a great record, a record that meant a lot to me. And then my second song was going to be this song that had just been released by Jamiroquai called Virtual Insanity. Oh my so God. I for love those that of song. you for those of you that aren't, aren't too familiar, this this brings us to September 1996. And I chose those two songs. I knew what I was going to say. And so I was going to play Ben Folds 5. There was going to be a jingle. I was going to play Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. And then I was going to talk. What happened was, there's quite a hard finish on Underground. I played the jingle and then I played Virtual Insanity. I pressed play and I couldn't hear anything. There was complete silence. And I was like, uh, so I panicked and just went to talk. And at that, that point, I realized it wasn't silence. It was just there's a big difference between the end of that song and the start of the next song because there's a very slow build to virtual insanity. So as I started to talk, the song kicked in and threw me off again and everything was a mess. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it was an absolute sheer terror, panic, awful, but at the same time, an incredible rush. Incredible rush. And and what about that experience for the first time, if you put yourself back, hearing yourself through a good microphone with headset on? Because that is something people can find quite challenging. What was that like for you beyond the adrenaline rush? Yeah, it is a big difference, especially when you've got the, the headphones on, you're in the studio. It's a feeling of power, actually. I think that's because it's your voice is amplified, but your message is amplified with that as well. And there's a lot of energy with it. Mm. And it was exciting. And here's the rub as well. I think when people find out what I do, they always go, oh, you've got a great voice for, for radio, for podcasting, for broadcasting. Nobody ever says that to me before I tell them what I do. <laughs> so I think there's a psychology that comes with it. And a lot of people are held back by not liking the sound of their voice. Mm. I've been doing this for 25 years now. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't say that I love my voice I'm just okay with it. And I'm just, I just, it's my voice and I accept it for what it is. Now, some people will hate it. Some people will love it. That's fine. It's just the way that I do it. I, I'm so nuanced and connected to it that I can listen back to something that I've done. I can tell you if I was sat down, if I'm stood up, if I was smiling, if I was stressed. Yep, you can hear it. If I was it, hungry, I can hear all it's that. It's all yeah. there in the voice. And people who aren't experienced with microphones don't realise. And if you don't, for me, my work is a lot about energy and what you put out there, right? And if I'm not feeling it, I won't. it won't come across in my work. And actually, it's the fact that everything comes through actually is one of the biggest connectors, mm. right? It's one of the biggest yeah. connectors. So when you and we talked, you talked about like that democratic medium, when you're sharing your voice about what's important, people get why it's important because they can hear it, not just in your words, but in the resonance, in the pitch, in the timbre, in the, all the other things that come with our instrument. So what does it mean for you then to know that your message, your messages are being amplified in this way? I, I think when I sit and hear that back to myself, it can be quite daunting, mm. but it's exciting. And I think as well, this is something that is incredibly new for us as a, as a species. I mean, if you think about it, like radio itself has only been around for just over a hundred years, right? So those initial tests from Marconi and the radio as we knew it, but until 20 years ago, 
or thereabouts, radio was very closed off. There was only a small amount of people that could get into that. And you needed permission. You needed someone yes. else. Yes. I mean, this is almost akin to what's happened in book publishing. Before you had those gatekeepers, you needed other people already of influence to say yay or nay. They either like what you've got to say or they don't. They like you or they don't. And now in terms of publishing, book publishing and what Amazon and all of those platforms have enabled is what's happening in podcasting, that there are no gatekeepers. You can go live. You can create a podcast about anything. Say whatever you like, and you can do that. And that's power. Mm. And with that, there's also, there's no rules. But what happens is when we come across something that's different, we feel more comfortable if we compare it to something we already know. So I'm a big fan of languages. I used to work in Italy. And one of the the, the initial problems that I had was I remember first going to a hotel and seeing all these notices with uh, about cameras and pianos. And I was like, why are they so obsessed with cameras and pianos? And then realized that camera, obviously, you know, the original camera word that we're familiar with comes from camera obscura, which means dark room. Camera in Italian is room. Piano has several meanings. It can be the instrument. It can mean softly. It can mean slowly, but it also means floor. And so when you're told your room's on this floor, you hear the words camera and piano because that's where you go. And then similarly, so but it confuses you because you're so attached to what that means. Similarly, be very careful if you have to take a shower in a hotel room in, in Italy <laughs> because you'll see C and F. We're so used to having C and H cold and hot so you see c and f you see think well that's cold f must be hot but f means this sounds means disastrous cold. yes yeah yeah yeah. so you can have a real disaster with that and th we do the same thing with podcasting because we go well it's a bit like radio so we apply a lot of the rules that we create in our minds well this is how they do it in radio so that must be the way that you do it yes there's some really good best practices in that but actually no, you don't have to stick to those rules. And the one that this comes up the most in, and we were just chatting before we, we press record about how much time we'd need and how long the show would be. A lot of people, when they come to do a podcast, they'll say, oh, well, it'll be 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, two hours. And they build that. There's no evidence for that. They've just gone, oh, well, it should be. It feels right to be that. And actually, that's not a feeling. It's what they're comfortable with because it's what they're used to with TV and radio mm -hmm. and film. And especially with radio, those show lengths are that length because they have that one studio and the next show's coming in or the sponsor is paid and they have to have that traffic and travel bulletin come in, that weather, that news, whatever happens. Now, if you're recording your show at home and there's somebody waiting to come in and do a show after you, you don't live at home. You live in an actual office or a studio. Or you're in lockdown and your kids want your attention. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I mean, that is very true and, and you're exactly right. But really, when it comes to this, it's not been around long enough for rules to be established. Mm. There are best practices. And obviously, with what you do and with what you teach, you'll be telling people what's worked for you, what you've done that hasn't worked, and what has got results. And that's what people want when they start off with. But actually... The things that you've done that have failed, somebody else coming along may have great success with them. Mm. The things that you've done that have worked may not work for anybody else. Mm. And so I think it's such an exciting time. You often hear people talk about it as being a wild west. Yes. And I think that's right. It's maybe not as exciting and as less lassoes and gunshots. Less guns. Less <laughs> guns than the wild west. But. I but by that, it's a, I think it's almost like, I'd say the gold rush, actually. That's what I refer to it as, because 
there is money out there. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you start your podcast thinking, well, this is where I'm going to monetize straight away and I'm going to make thousands every single month. It doesn't work quite like that. But the potential for creating compelling content, compelling conversation that can fuel a business potentially is massive. And that business doesn't have to be like mine where you're an expert or a coach. It could be that you're having great conversation around all sorts of things, but that you're attracting a big enough audience that sponsors want to get on your show. And those Mm. sponsors don't have to be massive corporations. They could be smaller businesses that just want more eyes and you're on their own business, more ears on their own businesses. So, Ant, you now, you speak at quite a lot of the big worldwide podcast events. So tell us a little bit about how that kicked off for you. How did you throw yourself into being able to speak on those big platforms? Funnily enough, I remember reading your book, your first book, I should say now, that you have the second come out. And I think in the first chapter, there's a bit that you talk about how you just took this chance and you flew out and you didn't know anybody and you felt the anxiety and you went into it. And then the next morning you landed your first contract with them. So about, I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago now, but three or four years ago, I decided to go into podcasting and set up a do business and, and, and do it. And but I was finding that a lot of the the business that I was pitching, the people that I was meeting, I was spending so much of my time explaining what a podcast was. Uh-huh. It just was not in the psyche, the mentality here in the UK. And yet in America, it was so huge and all this money was flying around. And yet here in the UK, and I was making some great, I was really proud of what I'd done and what I'd achieved. And I was getting recognition. I was working with some great, very talented people. Mm. And yet it just didn't seem to be adding up. And I wondered if maybe I'd maybe got it wrong, if I'd come too soon, if I would was doing it in the wrong country. Yeah. And there was an event taking place called Podcast Movement, which is the biggest podcast conference in the world, I think still. And it was happening. And I thought, well, I need to know. And so I kind of spent the last bit of money that I had going out to this event and Booked the hotel for the. I think in the end, the hotel ended up costing more than the ticket, which <laughs> always the way when stuff. you go yeah. to events in America. <laughs> <laughs> so I booked for the whole week, and I kind of justified it a little bit because my cousin was getting married in Omaha. Uh-huh. I thought, well, I can go to that as well. Didn't really plan the geography out very well because the conference <laughs> was in Anaheim, and then the wedding was in Omaha, which is North Central America, and then. I decided to take a few days in New York as well. So it was a very expensive trip by the end of it. But I landed and suddenly realized as I got there and I had this feeling. And it's a a feeling I've had before in certain circumstances, which almost comes up like a fear, but then I find it very exciting Mm -hmm. because I suddenly had this realization that I didn't know anybody and I'd not been to one of these type of events before, so I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know anything that was going to happen in the next four or five days. And as I say that, I think sometimes that comes up and it feels like a fear, but very quickly that becomes a real excitement of Mm -hmm. potential. And possibility. Exactly. And I remember going down to the bar to have a drink and I just started to grow a beard. And now has a very sizable ginger beard. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it was big before, but uh, in the course of lockdown, I've just let it go uh, even further. Maybe maybe lockdown's been nourishing for it. I just remember that the very first night I was in the hotel, I went down to the bar and I just saw this chap with a huge mustache. And I thought, well, there's nobody else around here. I'm going to start a conversation with him. And I just had this sense of I don't know, recognition. And I said, are you here for the podcast event? And he went, sure. 
And that was Brad. And Brad is actually a firefighter who's very busy at the minute because he's based in California with everything that's going on. And he wanted to launch a podcast about Booze for Beginners is his brand. Mm -hmm. And so he's building that and wants to to have a, a podcast to go with it. And so he spent the first night chatting. And I mean, fast forward now, we're firm friends and I would have been staying with him right now if it wasn't for, for the whole COVID lockdown. And I proceeded to basically make friends through that conference just by starting conversations, mostly with beards randomly and facial hair. Just complimenting your, people. Let me, let me just backtrack. So your top tip now for getting to know people in any industry where you completely know no one is grow a beard. I like that. I'm probably not going to follow it myself. I mean, the thing is, I, I, I will throw in that I've, I've lost a couple of, of pounds since I grew the beard as well. So there's maybe other benefits to it. I think the thing that helped with that was I just kind of forgot about the whole podcast thing and was distracted. And actually, I made friends with Ted Hossman and Steve Wilson because of Ted's beard. And Ted is very high up in Apple podcasts, but I had no idea. I just went up to him and said, I love your beard. Which is it's a really unusual thing, it like yeah, for but it's not all about the cell. So this is interesting. No. It's about having connection and conversation and being real. Yes, yes, completely. And actually, I the nerves that you normally get before you go up and say hello to someone. I got five minutes into the conversation when I realized I was in conversation with like the inner sanctum of Apple. Mm-hmm. And what was really great was I last saw Ted in Orlando a podcast movement last year, and he came up and said hello to me and then started telling everyone the story of how he met me. Mm-hmm. Which was beard related. Yeah, which was beard related. But That's I brilliant. think for him as well, it stood out because it's so different because especially for people in that position, mm-hmm. they get bombarded all the time and pitched. And and, and actually the trick for me is I approach these events very much as going, you know what, everybody in this room has something in common and that's they they like podcasts they love podcasts they have a podcast they want to do a podcast podcast is the the center of that and so i approach it very much as that i'm going to learn something i'm going to meet people and I'm going to enjoy myself. So that throwing yourself into an environment then where you didn't know anyone you've taken a risk you've taken a risk financially you've put yourself yeah. on the line what's that done for you when you look back at that decision to do that I mean, just in terms of that event, that has put me in a position where I was back the next year and as a speaker, I was one of the first speakers the year after on the opening day. And I'm now involved with the Podcast Movement University, which they have online as well. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, that's been amazing. Everybody I've met in America has referred to me as the connector now, because I went from knowing nobody on that first day to almost being the guy that if you want to meet somebody at a podcast conference you come and say hello to me and I'll introduce you yeah, I love that <laughs> I didn't even create that for me it has given me the ability to pick up the phone and, and message people and have a conversation with them that day that you would normally have to book in and pay for a consultation with and vice versa because they're friends because it's led with connection it's re- led with actually a real relationship it's not led with a pitch and also what it's brought me to is this point from a professional point of view where I turn around and suddenly all the people that you look up to mm-hmm. are actually on the same stage as you. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're on the same stage as you. They're coming to you and asking you questions and advice about, and they're inviting you to be part of their conference, their event, and, and they're, they're, they're saying what, nice things about what you're doing. And it's this, this wonderful thing where all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I don't think there was an actual 
written down plan of I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to meet this person. And I know some people do that and Mm. I'm not knocking that at all. I actually find that the times when I've done that, that's not when I have great conversations. The times where I just go, actually, it was the chat I had in the loo. That was the best time. But if I say I have to talk to them from that company, I have to do that. No, because I'm pitching. I'm not present. Yeah. Whereas the more you are you, the more you are put yourself in the right places, the more you're open to building real networking, not for networking's sake, but because you're sharing a joy of a common interest, the better results you're going to get. Almost like you take your, you, you say, I'm putting myself in that room, but I'm not going to push. I'm just present. Yeah. And I, I think there's an element of flow and enjoyment as well. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm here, I'm going to enjoy being here and I'm open to what I can learn and to share with with people. And w- one thing that I I learned about my experience there is there's different ways of doing it. There's real different ways. Like I've met people and it was at a conference in America. I'm not suggesting that they're American or Americans network like this, but I have met people that will come up to you with their card in hand, offering it to you and say, hi, what do you do? And if they don't like the answer, they pull the card away from you and then move on to the next person. I'm a little bit disappointed you didn't do the accent there, Ant, because I thought you were going to. I think you hesitated on doing an American accent there. I could see uh, it. But yeah, that's right. And that, for me, that sucks. And yeah. for me, that doesn't show integrity and it doesn't show that you're a good person and all those other things that matter. So we have lost our thread a little bit here and we're going to be open about this because we work in audio. What happened there? Um, I don't know how much of this was in the interview that you've heard, but all of a sudden, Ant was very aware that there was a strimmer starting outside. And so what we do in the conversation is just go, just hold on a moment. I just need to sort this. And it's calm and we're both relaxed about it. There's no panic. Now, many of you listening might be surprised to hear that we have audio issues and sound quality issues. And what I want want you to understand is that actually when you're at ease, when you're in flow, when you know you're delivering great content and having great conversation, it doesn't matter if things go wrong, if your dog barks, if something pings, it doesn't have to throw you because if you're a good person and you're having a great conversation and good connection, just trust the process. So we've just been confident enough each to go, Anthony's gone and closed the window, sorted that out. He's put, popped on a bit of extra equipment over his microphone. I've gone and got a cable. That's all happened without us having to panic about it and feel uncomfortable. And that does, I think that comes with experience in audio podcasting and owning what you do, right? Completely. And just on the quality point of view, I think we've become so obsessed with sound quality that we're forgetting that for such a long time, like, have you made a phone call recently? Not a WhatsApp call or a Zoom call, just a phone God, call. Why would I? Yeah, but sometimes sometimes you do because you're not in a great place for signal. When you get that call, usually for somebody, it's a recorded call saying that, uh, have you been in an accident? The sound quality is so poor, but you know what? How many of us have fallen in love over a phone call, over a phone line, those conversations where that quality is so compressed to what we're used to on a day-to-day basis. So we can have amazing relationships with people with poor quality audio. Mm. And so actually you can get that across in your podcast, your broadcast, whatever it is you do, recognize that if there is a bit of interference, yes, it might be a bit annoying, but if the quality is worth it, if something is in there, great, people can still fall in love with what they hear. Okay. So I've got a question for you here now. Okay. What is one of the nicest things that's come back to you 
as a result of podcast content that you have created or hosted? So do you know that thing where somebody waves at you and you don't recognize them, but you wave back and then you realize they were waving at somebody behind you? So I was in Philadelphia at Podcast Movement Conference. It was the second one I've been to, the first one that I was going to speak at. They were just about to open the doors on the first day. There's a huge throng of people. And these two guys make eye contact with me. Never seen them before in my life. Absolutely no idea who they are. And they wave at me and I turn around and I'm at the, there's no one behind me. There's no one behind me. There's no one in front of me. They wave at me and there's lots of other people. So if they just wanted to make friends, it's odd that they're waving. So I, um, I make my way over to them and they say, Hey, Ant. and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and you're and you're not, mentally running down everyone you've ever met in your yeah. entire life. Yes. And, uh, I added to the list of accents that I can't do. They're both South African. So I was like, okay, no idea. And I'm chatting to them and they're chatting to me like we're the best of friends. And I, 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 guys, look, I'm really sorry, but I, where, did, where, where did we meet? And the brilliant thing about that was they said, well, no, we, we've never met. And in fact, we've only just met each other. And these are guys that have been doing a podcast together for a year. And this was the first time that they'd met. Wow. And they knew me because... I used to do a podcast called Pod Tips. There's a group I have on, on Facebook as well, still called Pod Tips. And we did a, a podcast off the back of that. And they used to listen to that and watch the Facebook lives and things that I did. And that's what inspired them to do their podcast. And then the podcast had brought them together through a mutual friend. They'd, they'd met at some, some event online. They discussed podcasts. They'd found the group. And then because I talked about coming out to be at this event and speak, they'd heard about it, thought that looks really good. They booked a ticket, they came out, they met each other. Five minutes later, they see me across the room, wow. recognize me because of my beard, call me over. And basically they said, we're here because of you. Amazing. What a nice feeling. And I think that's something to consider because we live in, especially when you're talking about listeners and advertising and sponsorship and, and monetizing, there's a lot of focus on ROI. What are they getting? What's their return on investment? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you may never realize the impact that you have on people with what you're doing. If you're lucky, you'll bump into those people and they will tell you. But something that you're doing, even this conversation that we're having now, will connect with somebody in a way that we, we don't even predict. Absolutely. And I talk about podcasting for me is changing one life at a time. You don't know what that change is. You don't know who that life is and you don't know what they're going to do as a result. But if you didn't show up in front of the microphone, if you didn't do what you could to, to then promote that show, those people won't hear it, won't reach their ears. So... And now I know that you are one of the co-founders of Pods Up North and obviously through lockdown event hosts are having to make decisions about what's happening. Now, tell us about Pods Up North, what it is and what you're doing going forward from here. So Pods Up North is an event that we put on to kind of break out of the London bubble of podcasting in that all these great podcasts that were happening and we were hearing and we were finding it about, but they weren't really getting the spotlight, the coverage that we felt that they deserved. Obviously, there's a little bit of uh, personal feeling in that involved in that as well. But we recognize that, especially as the media were starting to get excited about it, they were more focusing on the 
at the time, what was the the BBC podcasts and the London-based podcasts. And so we wanted to kind of basically make a big noise and say, hey, there's some stuff going on here. So we called it Pods Up North because it was going to be based in Manchester. But basically, it was anything that was outside of the M25. So obviously, there was people in Scotland that were like, well, that's still down south towards us. But we opened it up to everybody. And again, that was a real lesson for us because it was something that none of us had done, really. It was an event. We put it together very quickly from an idea. You know, it is a is it a case study in anybody that wants to do an event. Speak to me and I'll tell you everything that we did, which is pretty much how not to do it. If you want to be, live a, a peaceful, stress-free existence in putting an event on. We started from scratch three or four months ahead of the actual date that we were doing it. We didn't have a mailing list. We didn't have any speakers. We didn't have any funding. We hadn't, we just went for it. We just went, let's do it. And I think that's a real inspiration for anybody that wants to make their own podcast or do something. Actually, if you sit down and list all the things that you have to do and all the questions that you've got, you will not do it because it will overpower you. You've just got to take action. Just get those wheels in motion and figure the rest out. That's it completely. And I mean, you were there, you saw it, how it happened, how it came together. And it had the most wonderful energy in the room. And sadly, that is the reason why we've put it back because we could have gone for a fully virtual event. It's not the same, um, I don't think. No. So I've spent the whole of lockdown on so many different virtual events from around the world, mm-hmm. even about things that I, I I had no idea about. I was uh, been doing one about artificial intelligence just because it was free that I could go along to and see how they were doing it. <laughs> okay. uh, and I've seen people use different platforms and there's some, been some real innovation and it's been really great. But even on the really good ones, what happened was as soon as the event was over, I felt deflated and empty because that's the point at which I would meet you and you would give me a copy of your book. Yeah. And I, I would say, I've heard your show. I'd love to be a guest on it. Yeah. That's when those conversations in the toilet happen and yes. all of a sudden you've got a friend you can have a cup of tea with or, or connect with in this case and do an interview with. And what I loved about your event at Pods Up North was that it was very much removed from the entrepreneurship type things that I often go to and the vibe at some of the big American events. It was very much that slightly underground feeling of real people from all walks of life who've just decided to do a podcast because they want to not necessarily make a business out of it, but it's something they're passionate about and they want to have a voice in that area and whatever that means. And I I love that. I can completely understand why you've decided to put it on hold until we can, well, it's April, isn't it? You're hoping that it will go ahead. Yeah. So we're still going to do a very small online sort of pop-up event on the initial date that we were planning for sort of 20th, 21st of November. So there will be a very short very brief sort of event details on that will will follow podsupnorth.com the place to go mm-hmm. to for details on that if you bought a ticket for this year or you were there last year you'll get an email with the details on that anyway so vic and uh, vic turnbull and kate cocker the, the two co-founders that i i made this with who i'm very lucky and privileged to work with we all have completely different skills uh, and backgrounds but all really passionate about podcasts mm-hmm. we put at the heart of pods up north the experience of the people that were attending. And I think that is something that anybody that's already podcasting, I think that's a really important lesson for you to have as well. So there's so much focus out there, so much focus for everybody about growing your audience, Mm -hmm. about adding more people, adding more listeners, growing that what in some ways is a vanity statistic. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that. I commend you and and I wish mm-hmm. you the best of luck. And please, if you find the secret alchemy to it all, let me know. <laughs> what I would say that is very important is remember the people that you've already got. Remember the people that have shown up. Remember the people that are there. Remember the people that are listening because they are your avatars. They are your fans. They are your, a new word, which I've learned from a show I've been doing about Korean football, stands which is a cross between fan, which is short for fanatic, and stand big from stalker. Oh. <laughs> so somewhere between a, a fanatic and a stalker, they call them stands in South Korea. So, But these people are the people that put the hours in, and you have a very powerful connection with them. And I think just podcasting as a whole, if not radio, in future generations are going to look back at this in terms of a very powerful tool in, in the evolution of not just communication, but but people. Connection. Yeah, because of that Belonging. ability. Because now if you, you don't have to go back very few generations for your grandparents. You may have more people listening to your podcast than your grandparents ever met in their life. Depends whether it was a good episode, to be honest, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. I've so enjoyed talking to you, but I'm kind of aware of, of, of time and, and I've got noise outside. It is the fourth day that my children were supposed to be back at school and one of them was sent home yesterday. So that's the impact of lockdown. I can hear that they, they've got a finite amount of time. They're prepared to be quiet when I say I'm recording a podcast. So, and I really would like to close with, I often ask the question at the end, what would you say to someone who wants to get visible for what they are known for? So I'm going to ask you that one. And then I've got a second question. So I would like to know about the visibility piece. But the second thing is really, if someone's considering a podcast, are a bit scared of the medium, what advice would you give to them? So first of all, visibility. Tell me about that. I think for the visibility, go to where it's happening. I'd say that's the thing. Go to where it's happening. Get into that space. So say there's there's somebody that you look up to and they're speaking at an event. Go to the event. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might not meet them, but you'll get closer to them and you'll get a feel for that vibe. And you'll put yourself in that space. And also it makes it easier for you then to imagine the feeling of you being in their shoes on that stage doing those things. And the one caution that I would put on this is be careful of buying into somebody else's formula because their route to what they're doing, their success is very unique to them and their time. Now there are great lessons you can pull from that, But if you do everything that they did, it's unlikely that you will get what they've got. So be inspired by their story, Mm. learn from their journey. But also, you know, if you look at somebody like Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss is brilliant at this. Mm. If Tim Ferriss wanted to learn to to swim, he didn't just go down to the local swimming baths and book some lessons in or whatever. He found an Olympic gold medalist and got them and paid for their time and paid for all these underwater cameras, which at the time were very expensive to film him swimming, to teach him to be able to do that. He didn't just so, dip his toe in, yeah. right? He got in and he did it. Yeah. What well, If you found something that you think that you love and you feel that it's really important to you, go and do it because a lot of people will go through life not knowing what they love or what they want to do. So you've got that, invest in it and invest in yourself. Okay. So that's the visibility. That's the visibility. So about the fear then, fear of podcasting. You know what? So there is a, a thing called Podchaser, which is like the IMDB of podcasts. And I need to make sure it's up to date. It's got a lot of the stuff that I've done on, but by no means everything that I've done. But it lists shows that people have been on, roles that they've had, all these kinds of things. So I think at the minute, it's got me credited with about 1,400 different episodes of podcasts. Some as a guest, some as a producer, some as a host, 
some as a voice actor, which is something I've just started doing with, with a new show. But for all that experience and for somebody that's coming in that they may look at me and go, oh my God, look at what he's done. I'm, I, I, you know, I want to be like that. I want to get to that stage. He's somebody inspirational. He doesn't get frightened. I do. I get really nervous about things. But the trick is to realize that that fear does not go away. That fear will come up and it's okay to feel that fear. It's okay to feel the fear and just accept it. The, the, the fear will come along. You will experience those feelings. You will never reach a stage where you're not feeling fear, right? You will feel it, but you've just got to get used to it and go, okay, that fear's there. Okay, that's fine. I welcome that fear now because yeah. that fear tells me several things. It tells me that I am caring about what I'm doing. And it's also giving me the heightened state to enable me to perform at my best. Yes. Adrenaline is brilliant. I love that. I love loved our conversation today. And I love that you said that. And I know we're, we're going to wrap up, but I just want to share this. So I am tonight delivering a masterclass. And it's the first time I've taught this particular thing in this particular format. And it's to open the doors for my mastermind. And I woke up this morning and I said to my husband, it's kind of nuts because I've done so many different masterclasses, webinars, podcast interviews. But today... I'm slightly cacking my pants, despite the fact I know what I'm talking about, because it's that fear, that adrenaline, even though I know what I'm doing, you never quite know what's going to happen in the moment. And that takes me back to my acting days. But having that fear, that adrenaline, that rush actually will make me sharper. And like you say, it proves that I care about what I'm doing. The minute you switch off from something and you're on autopilot and you don't give a stuff about how it goes, you're not in the right field anymore. You need to find something that makes you tick. So I hope that kind of helps someone out there worried about their podcast episode, their Facebook Live, their guest interview, their masterclass, their webinar, whatever it is. Just feel those nerves and just get on with it anyway. Good. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, Ant. And um, I'm sure we could probably talk podcasting for ages, but let's not do that. Maybe do another interview in a few months time. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be on the show. And uh, yeah, good luck with the masterclass and um, looking forward to book number two and book Ah, number three. Yeah, great. And Ant, we're going to make sure that Ant's um, and all the details about Pods Up North will be underneath in the show notes wherever you're listening to this today. Thanks for tuning in and thank you so much once again, Ant, for coming and sharing why for you podcasting is powerful to have that impact. Take care. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.